This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Lesson number 245, Surah Az-Zumar will begin from ayah number 42. Allahu yatawaffal anfusa. Allah takes the souls when hina mawtiha at the time of their death. Wallati lam tamut and those that do not die then their souls Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes them when fi manamiha in their sleep and when people are asleep fayumsiku allati qada alayha al-mawta then he keeps those for which he has decreed death wa yursilu al-ukhra ila ajalin musamma and he releases the others for a specified term إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتِ لِقَوْمِ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ Indeed, in that are surely signs for who? For those people who reflect. In this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's might and His absolute power and authority is mentioned. How? That Allah alone is the one who يَتَوَفَّ anfusa. He takes the souls. يَتَوَفَّ from the root letters وَوْفَيَ Tawafi. Tawafi is to take something fully. To completely and fully take something. From the same root is the word wafa, which is to fulfill something. Like for example, a promise. Do not fall short in it. Do not fail in the promise. So tawafi is to take fully. To do qabd. And tawafi, as a term, is also used for death. Why? Because at the time of death, a person's soul, his ruh, is taken fully. No part of it is left in the body. So Allah who yatawaffal anfusa, He is the one who takes the souls when hina mautiha at the time of their death. Meaning when people die, where do their souls go? Who takes them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And who does He command to take the souls out of the bodies? His angels. So whose decision is it when a person is to die? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Does a person have any choice with regards to it? No Sometimes people are desperate That they should die Because they cannot bear the pain anymore But what happens? No matter what they try They don't die People become suicidal They try to commit suicide many times But when death is not decreed for them When Allah has decided not to take their soul It's not going to leave the body Similarly on the other hand There are people who are trying to keep their soul Doctors, teams of doctors are trying to save a person But what happens? When Allah has decided that a person's soul has to leave It leaves So Allahu yatawaffal anfusa hina mawtiha Wallati lam tamut Allati, meaning the soul Which lam tamut, which does not die Meaning The souls on which the time of death has not yet come They are not meant to die yet They are to live does Allah take their soul as well? Does Allah have authority over their soul as well? Yes, of course He does. How? Because He takes their soul when? Fimanamiha in their sleep. A person is alive. The time of death has not yet come upon him. But when he sleeps, is his soul in his control? No. It leaves his body. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still takes their soul. And the word manam is from the root letters. Noon wow, meem. Noam is sleep. And manam as a masdar is the time of sleeping, the state of sleeping. 
And if you think about it, the state of sleeping is very similar to the state of death. Isn't it so? How? That when a person is asleep, does he have any idea as to what's going on around him? No. And when a person is dead, he doesn't know what's going on around him. People may be saying things to him, people may be crying before him, but he doesn't have any clue, no idea. Similarly, when sleep overcomes a person, can he help himself? No. Can he avoid falling asleep? No. Sometimes people fall asleep sitting in the most weirdest of positions, in the most uncomfortable positions. But what happens? They cannot resist. Sleep overcomes them. And similarly, when a person's soul has to leave his body, can he do anything to keep it? He cannot do anything. So sleep and death, they are very similar. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the souls on whom the time of death has come, who takes their soul? Allah. And the souls on which the time of death has not yet come, Allah still takes their soul. When? When they sleep. And when they sleep, فَيُمْسِكُ Then He retains. يُمْسِكُ Mim سِينْ كَافْ imsak. And what does imsak mean? To withhold something, to retain something, to not let go of it. So, a person falls asleep, and what happens? فَيُمْسِكُ Then He withholds, Allah keeps. Allati That which, meaning the soul which, Qada alayha al-mawta On which death has been decreed On which Allah has decreed death So what does it mean then? A person falls asleep His soul was taken And what happens? The person never wakes up again Because Allah had decreed death for him So he never wakes up again His soul is never returned to the body فَيُمْسِكُ الَّتِي قَضَى عَلَيْهَا الْمَوْتَ وَيُرْسِلُ الْأُخْرَى And others, he sends them. Meaning, the souls, he returns them back to their bodies. So a person sleeps, and after some time, he wakes up. But on the other hand, there are people who sleep, but then they don't wake up. Why? Because once their soul was taken away, it was never returned to the body. So, فَيُمْسِكُ الَّتِي قَضَى عَلَيْهَا الْمَوْتَ وَيُرْسِلُ الْأُخْرَى But those who do wake up after sleeping, how long are they awake for? How long are they alive for? Ila ajli musamma until a fixed time. And what is that fixed time? The time of their death. Inna fi dhalika la ayat. Indeed, in that are surely ayat. In what? In the fact that Allah takes the souls at the time of their death. In the fact that Allah is the one who takes the souls of people even when they sleep. In the fact that. Allah keeps some souls He never returns them to their bodies And in the fact that Allah does return some إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتِ There are many signs But for who? لِقَوْمِ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ For those people who reflect So what does it mean? We have to reflect on this In order to learn the many lessons The many ayat That are in this fact That is mentioned over here What are some of the ayat? That are obvious First of all we learn That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has control of all things Every single thing Including our lives And we on the other hand Have no control Allah has absolute control And we are so limited in our ability That when it comes to our souls When it comes to our lives We are helpless When it comes to our sleep We are helpless Allah is the one who causes man to die the greater death 
And he is the one who causes man to die The lesser death What is the greater death? When the soul completely leaves the body Death And what is the lesser death? Sleep Because sleep is very similar to death So people have no control And who has absolute ultimate control? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone Also another ayah in this Is the fact that the state of sleep Is very similar to the state of death because Allah yatawaffal anfusa hina mawtiha wallati lam tamut fi manamiha in both death and sleep what's happening the soul is being taken away death the soul completely fully leaves the body and in sleep what happens the person's shu'ur meaning his consciousness that leaves the body he's breathing his heart is still pumping it's not that his senses have failed no they're still functional however when it comes to consciousness that has left his body and in this way sleep and death are very similar so what does it show? that a person should spend less of his time sleeping because sleeping is equivalent to what? death out of the 24 hours that we're given every single day most of it should be spent in death or most of it should be spent in Life. Think about it. In what? Life. Because death means you can't do anything. Sleep means you can't do anything. And when you're alive, when you're awake, that means you can do something. I met someone recently, someone who was a very famous speaker, and he had fallen extremely ill. And the reason for that was that he does not sleep more than three hours a day more than three hours a day he does not sleep more than that and that is also because the doctors have told him you have to sleep more than two hours because if you don't you're going to die very soon but he says I cannot sleep for more than three hours why? because life is precious every moment is precious I can accomplish so much when I'm awake I can do so many things and he says even if I die today I will not die guilty I will die with confidence why? because I am happy about all what I have achieved in this life that I have been given so far, in 60 years of life, what I have achieved is more than what normal people achieve in 100 years of life. So, we have to avail the time that we have. Think about it. How much of our day goes in sleeping? Sleep means death. You're not doing anything. So, we have to make sure that yes, we do get enough sleep in which our body gets rejuvenated, we get our energy back, we are alert, we become fresh. However, sleep should be within limited quantity. Because once it exceeds that quantity, then what happens? What happens then? It only makes you more tired, it only makes you more lethargic, it only makes it more difficult for you to do something. Because when a person develops a pattern of sleeping a lot, then he cannot make do with sleeping less. Think about it. If there are so many people who can survive on sleeping less, why can't you and I? Why do we think that 10 hours of sleep is necessary? You can make do on less. You can do it with 8. You can do it with 6. You can do it with 7. Give it a try. And there are days when you are unable to sleep for a long time, but what happens? You survive. You still got so much accomplished then if you can do it sometimes, you can do it most of the time. I'm not saying that don't sleep now. No, sleep. But sleep should be in moderation. And always check yourself that in this 24 hours that I was given, was I alive most of the time or was I dead most of the time? 
What did I do? What did I achieve? We learn from a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, he said that when any one of you goes to bed, then let him brush down the bed with his garment. Meaning before getting into bed, what should he do? He should brush down the bed with his garment, for he does not know what has come on his bed since he left it. And then let him say, Bismika Rabbi wada'tu jambi wabika arfa'u In amsakta nafsi farhamha wa in arsaltaha fahfadha bima tahfadu bihi ibadaka salihin That in your name, O Lord, I lay down my side and in your name I raise it up. If you take my soul, then have mercy on it. Meaning if you take my soul while I'm asleep and you never return it to my body, then have mercy on it. And if you send it back, if you give me another chance to live, then protect it with that which you protect your righteous servants. So if you think about it, the du'as that we are taught before going to sleep, what do they teach us? What do they remind us? That sleep is like death. Allahumma bismika amutu wa ahya. When I'm falling asleep, it's like I'm dying. And when I'm getting up, it's like I'm getting my life back. So every time we fall asleep, we should remember this fact that sleep is like death. It's inaction. It's doing nothing. Therefore, it should be within moderation. Also, we learn from this ayah that each time a person wakes up from sleep, each time a person wakes up from sleep, it's as though he has been given a new life. Isn't it so? Because some for whom death has been decreed when they sleep, Allah does not return their soul to them. Soul is not returned to the body. So they never wake up. And those which are to live on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returns their soul to their bodies. So each time you wake up from sleep, be grateful. You have been given another chance to live. What if you slept and you never woke up again? How about that? So every single day, every single day, we should be filled with the feeling of gratitude. And we should avail the time that we have to its maximum. And if you think about it, when a person falls asleep, he's tired, he's exhausted. Even if he's trying to do some work, he cannot do it. Doesn't it happen with you sometimes? You're trying to do your homework, you're trying to type something on the computer, but you fall asleep sitting there. You just lie down on your side and that's it, you're gone for the rest of the night. You're gone for several more hours. But when you wake up, your body is fresh. Your mind is fresh. Your fatigue, your exhaustion, your tiredness, it's gone. So it's as though you have been given a new life. You could not stay awake anymore. You were exhausted. But when you fell asleep and you woke up, it's as though you have been given a new life. So when you have been given another chance to live, then avail that blessing. Don't abuse it. Don't neglect it. Don't waste it. Because you don't know, there might be a time when you fall asleep and you don't get up again. We learn in Surah Al-An'am, ayah number 60, that وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا جَرَحْتُمْ بِالنَّهَارِ That it is He who takes your souls by night, and He knows what you have committed by day. Allah takes your soul at night, and He knows exactly what you do during the day. When He gives you life again, what do you do with that life? Do you waste it away, or do you do something in order to? bring benefit to yourself in order to bring benefit to those around you in order to prepare your home in the hereafter 
Then he revives you there That is specified term may be fulfilled Then to him will be your return Then he will inform you about what you used to do And in the next ayah same surah al-an'am Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَهُوَ الْقَاهِرُ فَوْقَ عِبَادِهِ That Allah, he is a subjugator over his servants People have no control, no authority, nothing When death overcomes them, when sleep overcomes them Also we learn from these ayat that life is limited Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says إِلَىٰ أَجَلِ مُسَمَّةِ When a person wakes up again Then what happens? He has a limited time to live He doesn't know He wakes up and he might die after a few hours He wakes up, he falls asleep the next day And then he wakes up again And the cycle only continues for a few more days A few more weeks, a few more months So life is limited If you wake up one day then it's not necessary that you wake up every single day. If you wake up once after sleeping, it's not necessary that you wake up the next time you sleep. A time will come when you will not get up. A time will come when the sun will rise, but you will not rise. A time will come when the night will fall, but you will not be alive then. Life is limited. Everything else will continue, but you will be gone. Your ajali musamma is over, has come. So before your time expires, what do we have to do? Avail this time. Also we learn from these ayat about the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes our souls in sleep and He returns them to us when we rise. When we fall asleep, the soul has left the body. When we wake up, the soul has returned to the body. What does it show? That if Allah shows this to us every single day, every single night, can He not return the soul to the body at the time of resurrection? Can He not do that? Of course he can. So this is an evidence of resurrection as well, of life hereafter as well. Every single day Allah shows this to us. We fall asleep, we have no control. No control. And then the soul is returned to the body. So if this happens so many times in our lives, can it not happen on the day of resurrection? Of course it can. So this ayah is an evidence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's absolute might, His power, that he has ultimate control over all people, over their lives, over their sleep, over their waking up. And also this ayah proves resurrection. And in this is also a warning for us that we must avail every single moment of our lives. How can we just spend our time sitting away and doing nothing? The same time could be spent in remembering Allah. The same time could be spent in doing something good, in doing something productive. And if you think about it, there are so many, many things to do. So many things to do. I remember somebody was telling me once that in their house it was prohibited to say, I am bored. Prohibited. If anyone said, I am bored, that's it, they were in trouble. Because there are so many things to do in life that you can never get bored. There's so many things to do. You can help someone out. You can learn something. You can pick up a book. You can read it. You can go for a walk. You can appreciate the nature. You can appreciate what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. Isn't it so? You can do so many things. So why waste life? Why do nothing? Because doing nothing is inaction, which is like death. So unfortunately, many times, even when we are awake, we spend our time as though we were dead. So we need to avail every single moment that we have and not waste it. أَمِتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ شُفَعَا 
or have they taken other than Allah as intercessors? Meaning, if you look at the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is illustrated by this example, that every single person, when he sleeps, Allah takes his soul and he returns his soul to the body. And every single person, and Allah takes the souls of people when they die. Allah is so powerful. It's His decision. It's His will. But look at the people. What have they done? أَمِتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Have they taken other than Allah as intercessors? Shufa'a is a plural of Shafir. From whom they hope, from whom they expect that they will intercede for them on the Day of Judgment. Intercede for them and thus remove the punishment from them. And thus save them from hellfire. Get them reward in the hereafter. Amit takhadu min dunillahi shufa'a. Qul say, Awalaw kanu, even if they were, meaning these shufa'a were, la yamlikuna shay'an wa la yaqilun. They do not possess a thing, nor do they understand. Still you take them as shufa'a. Because the mushrikeen of Makkah, what would they say? وَيَقُولُونَ هَؤُلَاءِ شُفَعَاؤُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ When they used to worship idols, they would say, these are our intercessors before Allah. At the beginning of Surah Zumar, we learned that we only worship them لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَ That they do shafa'a for us and we come closer to Allah in position, in rank. So this was the justification of shirk. That we worship them, we pray to them, we sacrifice for them so that they can intercede for us. So that they can draw us closer to Allah. But Allah says, how can you take them as shufa'a besides Allah when these beings, they do not possess anything. لا يملكون شيئاً They don't own anything. They don't have any power. Who puts you to sleep? Who takes your soul away? Allah does. And these shufa'a, they have no authority whatsoever. وَلَا يَعْقِلُونَ And they do not even understand anything. If you think about it, someone who cannot speak before you, Ibrahim a.s., he asked the idols, Malakum la tamtiqun. What's wrong with you that you do not speak? Someone who cannot speak before you, you think he can speak before Allah? Think about it. Someone who cannot speak in this dunya, they can speak in the hereafter? How is it possible? La yamlikuna shay'an wa la yaqilun. They don't own a thing and they don't understand either. So how can they be shufa'a? They cannot intercede for you. قُلْ لِلَّهِ الشَّفَاعُتُ جَمِيعًا Say to Allah belongs the right to allow intercession entirely. When it comes to the matter of intercession, remember that intercession is a reality. Because sometimes when we read these ayats, that they will not be intercede, then we generalize and we think, oh, there's no intercession on the Day of Judgment. No, intercession is a reality. However, who has ultimate authority over it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does it mean by that? That He has exclusive control of it. No one can intercede except except with His permission. And no one can be interceded for except with His permission. So two things are necessary. That first Allah allows for the shafir. The one who is doing the shafa'ah. And secondly, Allah allows for who? The mashur, the one for whom shafa'a is being done. So, قُلْ لِلَّهِ الشَّفَاعَةُ جَمِيعًا The exclusive control over shafa'a is whose? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ To him belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth, and then to him you will be returned. 
Shafa'ah is exclusively in Allah's control. Why? Because Lahumulku Samawati wal Al. The dominion of the heavens and the earth, who does that belong to? Allah alone. Not to the idols, not to the people, not to the beings whom others worship. No. It's exclusively in Allah's control. When everything is in Allah's control, then Shafa'ah is also in His control. In Surah Al Baqarah, Ayah 255, we learn, who can intercede near him except with his permission in Ayatul Kursi? Right? In Surah Al Anbiya, Ayah 28, And they cannot intercede except on behalf of one whom he approves. So two things are necessary. The Shafi'i needs permission, and the Mushfur also needs permission. From who? Allah. Summa ilayhi turja'oon, and then to him you will be returned. Meaning, judgment is the right of Allah. He will judge between people. And no one can interfere in this. When it comes to your sleep, when it comes to your death, whose decision is it? Allah's only. Sometimes people want to sleep, but they cannot sleep, despite the fact that they take sleeping pills. They will stay up all night, tossing and turning in bed. They haven't slept for two days even, but they will not be able to sleep. So when your sleep is in the control of Allah, when your life and death is in Allah's control, then your judgment, your final end, is also in Allah's control. And if a person thinks that no, somebody else can also judge in my favor, they will intercede and their judgment, their decision will be accepted, and Allah has to accept it, Allah's decision will be disregarded. No, this is wrong. ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ Judgment is the right of Allah. He will judge between people. And their intercessors and false gods that they relied on cannot help them or decide their fate. وَإِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ And when Allah is mentioned alone. This is the state of who? Those who rely on their shufara. That when Allah is mentioned alone. When? Like for example at the beginning of a majlis. At the beginning of doing something important, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Who is mentioned in this statement? Only Allah. Their idols are not mentioned. Their gods are not mentioned. Their elders are not mentioned. Only Allah is mentioned. Similarly, in the Quran, when Allah alone is mentioned as the one who deserves worship. Similarly, when they are invited to Islam, that Allah alone is mentioned. When making dua, Allah alone is mentioned. At the beginning of a document, Allah alone is mentioned. What happens to some people? Ishma'azzat qulubul ladina la yu'minuna bil akhirah. The hearts of those who do not believe in the hereafter, they shrink with aversion. Ishma'azzat. Ishma'azzat is from the root letters. Sheen, Meem, Hamza, Zai. Sheen, Meem, Hamza, Zai. And Ishma'azzat is to keep away from something upon disliking it that you dislike something and you stay away from it you are averse to it you hate it you feel aversion for it you become angry when it's mentioned you're disgusted when you're disgusted by something do you go towards it or do you go away from it away from it are you interested in it or are you disinterested in it disinterested so Ishma Azzat that they become filled with disgust they shrink in aversion they are so disinterested that they're almost disgusted. They become upset. They become angry. They are repelled. That they were perfectly fine. All of a sudden, only Allah is mentioned. 
and they become upset. So Ishma Azat Kulubul Ladina, the hearts of those people who La Yu'minuna Bil Akhirah, who do not believe in the hereafter. When Allah alone is mentioned, they become upset. Who? Those who do not believe in the hereafter. And on the other hand, Wa Ida Dukira Ladina Mindunihi and when those other than him are mentioned, whether those beings are those whom they worship like idols or false gods, anything when they're mentioned, Idahum Yastabshirun, then they become very happy. And Yastabshirun Istibshah is when happiness, excitement is seen on the face of the happy person. You can see that they're happy, it's visible. And Ishma Azzat, you can see that they're upset, it's visible. You understand? So Ishma Azzat the disgust is visible on the face. Yastabshirun, the happiness is visible on the face. What does it show? This shows how much they adored their false gods. How much respect, how much veneration, how much adoration they had for their false god. And what is this? Shirk. Isn't it so? Loving someone more than Allah. Loving something more than Allah. And we see that the believers on the other hand, وَالَّذِينَ amanu أَشَدِّ حُبَّ لِلَّهِ they are intense in their love for Allah. Now this was the state of the mushrikeen of Makkah. That they had immense respect for their idols. They loved them a lot. They sacrificed for them. They worshipped them. They prayed to them. So when Allah alone was mentioned and there was no mention of their idols, they became very angry. They became very upset that this is not right. You should also mention our false god. You should also glorify them. You should also praise them. Why are you only mentioning Allah? If you don't mention our idols, you're disrespecting them. So this was the case of who? The mushrikeen. But we see that even today, people take no interest when Allah alone is mentioned. When His book is mentioned. When His glory is mentioned. But when certain others are mentioned, like for example superstars, or actors, or singers, then all of a sudden people start taking interest. If you tell people, come, there is a lecture, there is a discussion on the Qur'an, no interest. But when you tell them there is a party and that person will also be there, and they will also be there, then they take interest. The mushrikeen, they showed their aversion. And unfortunately, even today, people show their aversion. When Allah is mentioned, when the Qur'an is mentioned, every time they are reminded of Allah, they become upset. They say, don't, don't tell me. Every time they are reminded, pray salah. There is something known as Qur'an as well. They become upset. Why are you telling me? Mind your own business. But if to the same person, you remind them of something else, like for example the mall, the television, some music, what happens? Immediately they will take interest in you. Immediately they will be happy with what you are telling them. They will not get upset. They will not get angry. Their mood will not change. No, they will become very excited. And this is also a type of shirk. Why? Because shirk, remember, is of different types. One is shirk jali and the other is shirk khafi. Jali is that openly a person goes and prostrates before idols. And khafi is hidden. Yani it's in the heart that someone is loved more. More to the extent that a person prefers them over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So over here, they prefer them more than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We see that the people of Makkah, they would become so upset when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was mentioned alone 
In Surah Sa'ad we have learned that when they were presented with Tawheed, when the worship of Allah alone was mentioned before them, what happened? They did not even bear to sit there. They said, get up, let's go. When Allah alone was mentioned, leave, let's go. This is getting too boring. But when something else is mentioned, then they become very happy. They become very excited. They become very interested. They don't get bored at all. And we see that even within Muslims today, there are those who, when only Allah is mentioned, they say, it's so boring. But when some other personalities are mentioned, and their karamat are mentioned, and their stories are mentioned, then all of a sudden they begin taking interest. If you tell them only about Allah, they find it boring. But when their elders, those whom they respect, or their saints, those whom they consider are very righteous, when their stories are mentioned, then they think, yes, there was something in that discussion, there was something in that talk. Because they feel that if their elders are not mentioned, they are being disrespected. So it shows that they had intense love for, for who? For other than Allah. And they have less love for who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah Al-Safat, Ayah 35, we learn, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا إِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يَسْتَقْبِرُونَ That indeed they, when it was said to them, there is no God but Allah, they became arrogant. That how dare you say there is only one God? Why don't you affirm our gods? Why don't you give respect to them? Why do you say that we should only make dua to Allah? We should also make dua to these saints. So we see that this was a problem that people suffered in the past and this is a problem that people suffer even today. And this is what? Shirk. What's the problem over here? Loving someone more than Allah. If you think about it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed love for many different things in our hearts. Isn't it? And love is a natural feeling. It's something that is good in fact because when a person loves someone isn't it easy to sacrifice for them isn't it isn't it easy to obey them like for example if a person loves his children he goes to work he doesn't enjoy even a single minute of it but why will he not quit because he knows he has to bring money to his family so it makes it easier for him to sacrifice Similarly, a mother, she's exhausted, but still she will get up and change the diaper of the baby in the middle of the night. Why? Because the love of the baby, it helps her sacrifice. So love is a natural feeling and Allah has placed it in the hearts of people. Why? Because it helps people overcome many weaknesses. It helps people sacrifice. It helps people stay human. Because if we lack this love, then how would we care for each other? We would not. However, there are two things that must be kept in mind when a person has love for anyone. That first of all, it should be love of the lawful. You understand? That it should be only that love which is permissible. Like for example, love for music. Love for a non-mahram man in the heart of a woman. Is that permissible love? Is that permissible love? It's not. Love for an idol. Is that permissible love? No. Secondly, this love should be under the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean by that? It should not exceed your love for Allah. If you compare the love that you have for this person compared to the love that you have for Allah, whose love should be more? 
the love that you have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because loving anything more than Allah, loving anything more than loving Allah, this is not right. And it takes a person away from Allah. You understand? It takes a person away from Allah. So, loving someone, loving a person, loving a thing, loving an action is okay as long as it is permissible and as long as it is not more than love for Allah. Because if it is more, then it will make you prefer it over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like we learn in the Quran, أَفَرَأَيْتَ مَنِ اتَّخَذَ إِلَاهَهُ هَوَاهُ that he loves his desire, which is why he follows every desire, even if it means disobeying Allah. That is a problem. Because sometimes, your wishes, your desires, they may be good. Like for example, a person loves to go for hajj. A person loves to pray. A person loves to recite the Quran. So it is in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is correct. You understand? But if it is in disobedience to Allah, or if it exceeds the love that a person has for Allah, then it becomes a problem. Over here, what's the problem that people have? That they loved others more than they loved Allah. Because of which they did not give much importance to Allah. They did not give much importance to His word. And even today, it's quite possible, you love to do something, you love to go out, you love to sit with your family, and at the same time, you also love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when the Quran is mentioned, when Allah is mentioned, you like it. You love it. But at the same time, you also love your family. No problem. But if a person loves his family, a person loves to go out more than he loves Allah, then what will happen? What will happen? What will he prefer? He will always prefer that over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is where we have a problem. Do I pray? Or do I sleep? You understand? Do I read the Quran? Or do I turn the TV on? Do you get it? This is where it becomes a problem. And when love for Allah is more than anything else, then it makes life easy. As we learned in the example that was mentioned in the surah, that a person who is slave to many and a person who is slave to only one master. A person who is slave to only one master, what does it mean? He will have peace of mind. Because in every situation, what is he concerned about? Pleasing his one and only master. And a person who has too many masters, then he doesn't know what to do. He's always in a dilemma. He's always in confusion. So when a person has his priorities right, it makes obedience to Allah easy for him. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلِ Say, O Allah, فَاطِرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Creator of the heavens and the earth, عَالِمُ الْغَيْبِ وَالشَّهَادَةِ Nor of the unseen and the witnessed. أَنْتَ تَحْكُمُ بَيْنَ عِبَادِكَ you will judge between your servants concerning that over which they used to differ. O Allah, the originator of the heavens and the earth, the nor of the unseen and the witnessed. What is ghaib? That which is hidden from people, unknown to people. And what is shahada? That which is witnessed, that which is known to people, that which is open to the senses. You can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it. So ghaib, Hidden from your senses. Shahada, it's open to your senses. Like for example, ghaib is the intention of a person. You don't know their intention. Isn't it so? You don't know their intention. You're no one to see through. You can't even do that. You can't be judgmental. You can't say they're insincere or they're sincere. This is what? Ghaib. And shahada is what? Visible. Like for example, the actions of a person. So Allah, His knowledge encompasses ghaib and shahada. 
Why? Because he is the fatir of the samawati wal ard. The one who created, does he not know? Of course he knows. So because he is the creator, therefore he is also the knower. And his knowledge encompasses everything and everyone, hidden and visible. So because his knowledge is perfect, أَنْتَ تَحْكُمُ بَيْنَ عِبَادِكَ You will judge between people, between your servants, فِيمَا كَانُوا فِيهِ يَخْتَلِفُونَ And all those matters in which they differ. Because he knows what people show and what people hide. His knowledge is absolute. Therefore, his judgment will also be just. When it comes to us, our knowledge is limited. Isn't it so? A person might behave in a certain way with us, but we don't know what their real intentions are. We may be in their favor, but in reality, we should be against them. For example, we should not support them. But we are in their favor because our knowledge is limited. So whose knowledge is complete? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, His judgment, that is also perfect. Now, over here, what is being mentioned? That Allah will judge, you will judge between your servants on the day of judgment concerning that which they used to differ. Differences are natural. Why? Because differences, they arise from differences in love. One person loves one thing and the other loves another thing. In the previous ayah, what was mentioned? Love that people have, right? So one person loves one thing, the other person loves another thing. When their love is different, there will naturally be a clash. Like for example, in a family even, one child loves chicken, another child loves beef, another child loves goat. Now the mother says, what do I cook? What do I cook? One says this, the other says that, the other says that. So will there be ikhtilaf? Of course there will be ikhtilaf. So because every person is different, his likes, his dislikes are different. His priorities are different. This is why differences are inevitable. They're only natural. And differences, what do they create? Disunity. When? When people love different things. But when the center of love is one, then will there be unity? Of course there will be unity. So when people, their focus in life, their center of life becomes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He becomes the highest priority. That will there be unity amongst Muslims? Yes, there will be. And if people love a personality more than they love Allah, they give more importance to a particular scholar, to a particular sheikh, to a particular a pious predecessor, then is that going to lead to differences? Of course. Because they will cling to their statements and they will not look at what Allah and His Messenger have said. So this will lead to differences. So differences, they are natural, they happen. And what's the reason behind that? Differences in love. But when people have one center, when the center of love is one, then that leads to unity. We learn from a hadith that Abu Salama ibn Abdul Rahman said that I asked Aisha radhiallahu how the Messenger of Allah started his prayer when he stood up to pray at night. When the Prophet ﷺ prayed his tahajjud, how did he begin it? So she said, when the Messenger of Allah stood up to pray at night, he would start his prayer with the words, Allahumma Rabba Jibreela wa Mika'ila wa Israfil, Fatir al-Samawati wal-Ard, Alim al-Ghaybi wal-Shahada, Anta tahkumu bayna ibadika fima kanu, fihi yakhtalifun. 
اهدني لما اختلف فيه من الحق باذنك انك تهدي من تشاء الى صراط مستقيم that oh Allah Lord of Jibril Mikail Israfil creator of the heavens and the earth knower of the unseen and the seen very similar to this ayah you will judge between your servants concerning that wherein they differ guide me with regard to that wherein there is dispute concerning the truth by your leave for you guide whomsoever you will to the straight path so there are many differences one is calling to one thing another is calling to another thing now in this confusion what do you do you ask Allah for guidance that you show me the way to that which is right because final judgment that will be in the hereafter how when Allah will reward those who are on the right and punish those who are on wrong but has Allah left us in ignorance concerning the truth in this dunya no he has informed us but sometimes the truth becomes confusing because there's so much differences so what do you do in that Make dua to Allah. The Prophet ﷺ used to make dua regularly that, Ihdini, guide me to the truth, despite all these differences. And you will see that sometimes, even within a family, even within friends, even within people who are very close to one another, there are major differences. One person says, Do this, another person says, Do that. And you wonder, What do I do? Do I listen to him, or do I listen to her, or do I listen to myself? So in this situation, you don't know what's best for you. You're confused. Because each person's priority is different. So in that case, turn to Allah. That, oh Allah, you show me the way to the truth. You show me the way to that which is the best. This ayah primarily in the context with regards to the mushriki and shirk. Because they were always highlighting their gods. Right? So what is the truth? Turning to Allah alone. And that is the haqq. In the hereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge very clearly between who was on right and who was on wrong by rewarding those who were on the truth and punishing those who were on wrong. And right now also Allah has shown the truth. So ask Allah for tawfiq to accept the truth.